Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Welcome back to the Brodo Heat Wave, powered by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. 32 teams in 32 days, brought to you by the Brodo team, Mike Petrop, Jason Petrop, Tim Petrop, and Santiago Casanova. Welcome back to the Summer Heat Wave, powered by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. 32 teams in 32 days, doing it Brodo style and discussing every single fantasy relevant player up until the start of the season. Today, we are wrapping up the AFC West with the Broncos from one of my favorite cities in the world, Denver. Um, I'm here with my brothers, of course, Mike, Jason, and the man with the smoothest name in the history of fantasy football, Santiago Casanova. In the history of names. In the history of names. Tim's batch party was in Denver, baby. That's right. Great time. Great batch party. One of my favorite times in the world. Uh, Before we begin... We want to remind you to download the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app that has every single tool you need to draft a winning team and keep a winning team during the season. And guess what? It's free right now, but only for a limited time. So get it now. On the app, you get fantasy player cards, which act as fantasy player profiles, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, waivers, rankings, advanced statistics, including... True throw value, true target value, true performance value, rushing yards over expected, points per opportunity excluding TDs, and tons more. And it's free for a limited time thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash Fantasy. Join now to support the show and the app, but most importantly to join the community community on Discord. Play in leagues with the Broto Bros, get extra podcasts per week, waiver podcasts, private team consultations, free giveaways, and more. And as always, the Brodo Hub, BrotoFantasy.com is where you can find all things Brodo. All right, let's dive in. This team, the Denver Broncos, is going into the year with the third year of Vic Fangio at head coach and Pat Shermer when he took over for, um, of course, um, Rich Scandrello. When it was Fangio and Scandrello. Hey. hey. Fangio, Scandrello. Hey. hey. Yeah, where's the, where's the, hey, where, where's the gabagoo? Where's the fucking <laughs> gabagoo? The gabagoo. Where, where, where's the gabagoo? Hey, I'm walking hey, here. I'm walking over here. <laughs> fucking guys. I can't, I can't help it. I can't help it. I love that thing. Anyway, um, last year they were a, a surprisingly run heavy team one of the most run heavy teams in the league running the ball more than 45 percent of the time uh 28th in the league in offense though a lot of that could be attributed to the fact that their quarterback situation was a mess drew lock um was in his first year starting and it showed um and now he's in a quarterback competition with Teddy Bridgewater. And, and to be uh, to be completely transparent, because this is one of the teams where the timing of the summer heat wave kind of sucks. And just not even to plug ourselves, we're having extra episodes for the patrons where we're going to be more time, like on point time-wise. So join Patreon as well uh, to check those out. Uh, but as of right now, it does look like Drew Locke had his first preseason game and he threw that one pass that was like a, a blown coverage and it was like, 50 yards in the air. Like it was a really nice long pass. He looked good. He looked like the guy that they wanted to see. 
um, versus Teddy Bridgewater, who, I mean, the momentum seems to be shifting away from Teddy Bridgewater and to Drew Locke uh, at this point. So, um, you know, that is going to be one of the things that really spurs this offense and what really causes this offense uh, to go. So uh, is that how you're seeing it, Cass? And how do you size up this quarterback situation going into the season? I mean, yeah, it's it's really tough to make a decision right now because we're right in the thick of the QB battle, right in the middle of camp, right in the middle of uh, preseason. And, you know, luck gets uh, a lot of attention because he led the league in interceptions last year. Now, the good news is that interceptions are not the most relying, relying? reliable reliable thank you uh, source to, to determine QB talent. The, the bad news is that he was bad everywhere else too. So, I, honestly, don't draft any of the LeBroncos QBs unless you're in like a very deep super flex league. I don't mind having Drew Locke as my third QB. Second QB if you point the position, punt to the position, but in just a regular one QB league, shouldn't even think about Locke or Bridgewater. So it's, it's interesting because uh, what we have here is a little bit of a conundrum, right? Because I call this the Jason, the Jason's Eli Manning rule. And when we first started this podcast, when Jason was just a young analyst, he pulled off a, a, a rule. He, he said a rule that ended up being very true. And it's be wary of the offense that has a bunch of weapons ranked highly, but a quarterback that no one expects to be great. And he, he, he said that about Eli Manning. The Eli Manning-led Giants offense with Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and a couple other guys, Victor Cruz, and, who were all OBJ. supposed to be good, OBJ. But, but fantasy analysts had Eli Manning ranked like 27th or something like that. It's, it's been a long time. But, you know, that rule has stayed. So it's interesting because these wide receivers and tight ends and running backs – are all being ranked right now and all being looked at as guys who have the ability to maybe break out, maybe be stars, but definitely being uh, drafted to be important parts of teams. So it's it's interesting. Let's take a look at the wide receivers uh, for Denver. Jason, Jerry Judy seems to be having a pretty good camp. Corland Sutton is an interesting one because he looked like a, a guy – destined for superstardom before he got hurt he's had an up and down camp you got kj hamler who's a who's a absolute burner these are talented players are does the talent have an opportunity to show at all this year i think it does um i don't think there's too much of an issue with so like there's gonna be an issue with playing uh opportunities but there's that's one of the reasons why i'm fading no offense uh, because I think that these two guys on the outside for the Broncos are very, very good. We know that they're going to run the ball. But like you said, they were the one of the most, were they the or one of, either way, most run-heavy teams in the league last year. So if they do pass the ball more, that's more opportunities for Judy and Sutton to get the ball. And when we look at Julio, uh, Jerry Judy, I say Julio because people are calling him Julio Jones before last season. And now people, I feel like, are off him a little bit. Last year, he wasn't given much to work with. He was only 59th in true target value. He ended the season 66th in PPR points per game. Get rid of a few drops that he had. And he's likely to be, like, as if those were receptions. He probably would have finished right there 59th. 
So a rookie wide receiver playing up to his expected true target value is is good to see. He wasn't a stud, but 52, 856, and 3, while basically being thrust into the number one role, yeah. is a good place for a rookie to be. He saw 113 targets, and I don't see why he can't see that or more coming into this season. Because at the end of the day, Corlin Sutton is now a positive for Jerry Judy. It's mm-hmm. not just Jerry Judy that defenses need to focus on. It's Noah Fant. It's Cortland Sutton. It's Jerry Judy. It's Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And last year, because if we look at Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, Tim Patrick finished season better than Jerry Judy last year. And he was super consistent. From weeks 3 to 14, his weekly finishes were 33, 7, 24, 60, 37, 37, 19, 109, 15, 30. That was two numbers outside the top 38 from weeks 3 to 14. Pretty damn consistent. And last time Corlin Sutton was healthy, he went 72, 1,112, and 6. And that season, his true target value was only 44th, but he ended 24th in points per game. Corlin Sutton was a budding star before he got hurt last year. Yeah, he was. So both these guys are going as wide receiver threes, and honestly, I like the upside. It's interesting. These these guys are they're you're, they're gonna a guy like Judy's costing you like a seventh round pick at this point. Sutton so, too, sixth seventh round. Yeah, Sutton too. So like I've been, these guys, I don't know. It's expensive, but they can do it. Like you said, like they're they're talented. What do you think, Mike? I've been warming up to them a bit more. Um, Sutton particularly, people forget how damn good he was a couple of years ago. Man, with eleven hundred yards, six touchdowns, was really one of the best wide receivers in the league that year, and. You know, Matt Harmon's reception perception is huge. Everyone loves to look at it um, when it comes to trying to find breakout wide receivers. Corlin Sutton was tremendous in reception perception two years ago before the injury. So I do think he's being uh, slept on a little bit and has a real shot to be. I mean, Tim Patrick last season was a wide receiver three or better in half his games. And Sutton is far better than Tim Patrick, and he's going to be in that role this year. So I do think Sutton might be being slept on a little bit because of the injury. It's a uh, it's interesting. So I mean, in order to make room for these two guys to to have enough, like their talent, I think is undeniable for both of these guys. Like Corlin Sutton, although the injury is coming back from, it's a major surgery, so like it's not 100. percent He'll be the same guy. Jerry Judy looks like he's the real deal. So these two guys are the talent. I don't think the talent is un- the talent's undeniable, but there's another undeniable talent on this team and he's don't. no fan. Oh, I thought you were about to say drew lock. I was like, I know you like drew lock, but please do not call nah. him undeniable. No, no, no. I, I mean, Why drew look, lock? I, there's Javante Williams. You could have talked about. There's no offense. We already talked about drew lock and your mind. goes <laughs> to drew lock. It's because he expects the worst out of me all the time. Michael's just waiting <laughs> for me to like say something. So he can I mean, cause Tim like drew lock coming out of college. I mean, I still like him. I, I like him more than Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that he's a young kid that if you like today's day and age, man, I, I grew up where like in an age and now I sound like an old guy, but I, I grew up in the age where like, like people sat for two years and then played like that's not at all what happens now. And Drew Locke was a second round pick. He was from a small school. So, I mean, uh, he's got the, he's got the tools. So anyway, um, can he use those tools? Because Noah Fant needs to be fed too, because he's a dynamic talent. 
we we mentioned Kyle Pitts is this is this freak. No fan is a freak. This dude's a freak, absolute freak. But also Albert O coming back from injury, he exists still. The tight end situation in Denver, I, I'm I'm liking Noah Fant a little less and less as time goes forward. Michael, how are you feeling about this tight end situation? Yeah, uh, Noah Fant's an interesting fella because he has all the tools, he has all the intangibles, everything you're looking for in that breakout third-year tight end. He improved from year one to year two, which is exactly what you'd like to see. Went from the tight end, tight end 17 to the tight end 12 from 2019 to 2020. So that increase in production was there. But... Fant had just four top 10 tight end performances in 2020, despite seeing the sixth most targets, the seventh most receptions, and the sixth most receiving yards. He was eighth in points per game, which was better than his tight end 12 finish, but that was just 10.8 points per game because the tight end position is bad. So to draft a guy in the seventh, eighth round who had four top 10 tight end performances last season... He was 27th in average depth of target, 14th in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, 15th in true target value. So he even outperformed true target value. And this was without Cortland Sutton on the field last season. Can Drew Locke improve? Maybe. But he went from 25th in true throw value as a rookie to 32nd as a sophomore. Bridgewater was 24th in true throw value last season. So really a marginal improvement from Drew Locke and... I'm with you, Tim, and that maybe Drew Locke is just a better option for them. I honestly don't know. We'll see who they decide is the better option. Well, right now you're paying for a guy who is he how much more volume can he see? He saw the sixth most targets last year. He was seventh in the league in receptions. When you look at his when you look at his game logs, yo, this guy was targeted like crazy last year. Yeah, and he ended He missed as, some games. He missed some games, but Yeah, and he ended as a he top only had ten. Like, I'm sorry, he only had two games with less than five targets. Yeah, he was getting the targets. But now Cortland yeah. Sutton returns. They drafted Javante Williams. Maybe they'll be a little more run-centric. I assume they'll definitely be more run-centric if Teddy Bridgewater's there. Teddy Bridgewater played in an offense last season that didn't even use a tight end in Carolina. Like, it's just at ADP of tight end 7, 74.9 overall, which is at the beginning of the seventh round. I'm not going to be drafting Noah Fant much because, man, I just don't see a world where he explodes with the QBs that they have in Denver with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and the running game that they have there already in Denver. I think he'll be okay, similar to last season, but I'm not chasing okay in a mid-round tight end. Jason is Jason mentioned this in a podcast uh, previously, and I think it, it should be repeated, is that you know, there's so many tight ends that could be top 12 tight ends this year. There's like legit, he said legit 24. I think even like 27 or 28 of these guys could be top 10 tight ends. Like the tight end landscape can be completely flipped on its head. And I don't know, like a, a guy like Fant, like a guy like Goddard, a guy like, I don't know, these middle round tight end guys, these, these guys who are in the seventh, eighth round. It's not worth it. It, it. Like it's it's not worth it. The separation is not worth it. Use that seventh, eighth round pick on, on an important player. Like that's an important pick still. If you if you hit on a seventh round pick, you're chilling. If you hit on an eighth round pick, you're chilling. And there's and that's not like the eleventh round. Like there's talent still in the seventh, eighth round. I mean, like, I'm sure Cortland Sutton is going somewhere around Noah Fant. There's a zero percent chance I take Fant over right. Sutton. 
Right, exactly. So why take why take a tight end who's only going to give you so much separation from a guy you could take in the eleventh round? I mean, it's the exact opposite, the exact inverse of the reason why you take Travis Kelsey. So it's it, but it's like it's the same thinking. Um, this running back room with the Broncos is something that is one of the most hotly debated topics on Twitter. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, when does he hand it over? To me, it seems as though people are way too early on the Javante Williams is the better back on the team train. Um, I don't know if you know about this, but Melvin Gordon is a high-quality NFL running back, and he had a very good season last year for a team that was not good. He did not have a and very good a, season last year. He had a good season. He had a good season last year, bro. What are you talking about? He, he had a good very, season. You said very good season. Very good season. He for had the a highly mediocre season. He had a very he had a very good season for the circumstance. For his circumstances, he had a very good season. What what and there's his circumstances that makes mediocre good? A shitty team. A, a very a, a bad team. He was good on a bad team. So that being on a bad team limits your your ceiling. I'm talking about in general. Not not even just not yeah, even necess- not fantasy. I just, he I just wanted player. to like he's not done. In no means is Melvin Gordon on his last leg. Like he could still play. So I think the Javante takeover is over exaggerated. But if you if you hooked yourself up with some starting running backs in the early rounds and you want to stash Javante, I'm cool with going a little early on. Like, I, I'm cool with the seventh round pick on Javante Williams to stash him if you've already set yourself up at, at, at running back. Michael, what, how do you see this this Broncos backfield? Yeah, Javante Williams is actually going into RB26 right now off the board and Melgo as the RB27. I mean, look, we do wow. a whole lot of research, um, as you know. I mean, we do the rankings, we do these podcasts, we do articles and things of that sort. I still can't figure out this damn Broncos backfield, and it's kind of pissing me off. <laughs> because Melvin Gordon hasn't even practiced this offseason with an injury, which is big. Because one, Javante Williams gets to show out, and so far he's been impressive in Broncos camp, according to all reports. And he was impressive in his first preseason game. He only saw five carries, but he was good with those five carries. A nice cutback, very good run. He uh, he got through some. He broke some tackles and such. Like Javante Javante Williams looked good. Jason liked Javante Williams a lot coming out of North Carolina. He looked good. And then you have Melvin Gordon, who didn't play, who hasn't practiced. So what happens when Melvin Gordon returns? Does Melvin Gordon just assume the the number one role in that running back room or does he now is he actually in a full-time split with Javante Williams or is he playing behind Javante Williams none of this we know because Melvin Gordon still hasn't really played with the team all I do know is that Melgo was 26th in points per game last season leading the Broncos rushing attack despite ending ninth in rush attempts and he only had 32 receptions and this is a guy who used to be a premier pass catching running back in the league so the running back position for the Broncos was not a very valuable position last season. And it's because their offense simply wasn't that good. They were 11th in the team in rushing, so a little bit above average. That is typically how they've been under Vic Fangio so far. Hey. Three RB1 performances for Melvin Gordon last week in 14 weeks. Just three times was he an RB1. It's just like, like I do I want 
a piece of this backfield to begin with? A very meh answer for me. I don't know if I even want a piece of this backfield to begin with. And then you mix in the muddled backfield of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And then the price tag of RB26 and RB27. Needing to take them somewhere between rounds 5 and 7. Where you could get better wide receivers. Or a more or a running back like a um, who has a more established role. It's tough for me right now to to draft either of these guys. I understand drafting Javante Williams for the upside if he does just take over and Melvin Gordon has a Mark Ingram esque just disappearance from the football world. But like you said, Tim, Melvin Gordon also isn't on his last legs. Like Mark Ingram was old. Melvin Gordon isn't old. Melvin Gordon is 27, 28 years old. He has a couple years left, and he's always been a guy who has gotten it done when given the chance. So it's just, it's this one's a tough one for me to figure out. And everyone listens to fantasy football analysts, and you might say, oh, no, tell me what to do, fantasy football analyst. Any of the analysts out there that make believe they know all the answers to everything are lying, so don't believe them. It's okay to not know everything. And I just don't know about this damn backfield, and it pisses me off. I think you gotta I know go with that your heart. I uh I got my first share of Javante Williams today. So I've been warming up to him a bit. I, I think Melvin Gordon could be a good pick if you like went super zero RB and you need someone in the beginning of the year to be to get at least you know he's gonna get carries. Um I'm not I'm not saying I don't think you can really expect a lot from either of these guys in the beginning of the season. I could see Javante taking over, but I just don't think Melvin Gordon is going to give up the spot so easily. Like the, the guy still has, has some juice. I He's got not... the juice. I mean, yeah, Michael mentioned something like huge that I, it's, it's a prime example of the running backs and how they catch passes. You said he used to be a, a prime pass catcher. Was it that or did he just, used to play with uh, Philip Rivers, and now he plays with Drew Locke. Yeah, that's it's true. It's more about the, the QB than it is. He was a prime uh, pass-catching running back because he played with Philip Rivers. Now he's in a in a office with a shitty QB, so his value is naturally going to go down that way too. And the targets just weren't really there in that offense, and the offense should be pretty similar this season, which is a concern for Williams and Melgo because targets are worth almost three times as much as a rush in fantasy football land. I think th this is uh that's for both of them. Like I think yeah, all these concerns are for both of them. Yeah. Like this there's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense and not a quarterback to do it. Unless this is why Drew everyone wanted uh the Broncos to trade for Aaron Rodgers so bad. That would yeah. have turned them into like we may have start seeing Jerry Judy in like CD Lamb ADP territory if Aaron Rodgers went to Denver. One thousand million percent. There's no reason to think he would. They do have their contention for like best offense. To be honest, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos. They could be the best offense in the NFL or so top three. It's interesting if Drew Lock turns some corner and becomes Jay Cutler at least. If he turns that kind of corner, you know, like and it becomes like a Cutler was Jay good, Cutler man. I think you're underrating Cutler a little. Nah, oh, but like a no, nah, not like a, a Jake a Jake Cutler, like Jake Plummer, like. Uh, Jake Delhomme, just all the Jakes, like the mid range, like a mid range Jake. <laughs> I haven't said this yet, uh, and it's a podcast with Teddy Bridgewater on it, so I do have to say that if there's anyone who's going to turn a corner, it's the quarterback not named Teddy Bridgewater. 
Yeah, it's, it's hard to be excited about this offense if Bridgewater is the quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, I heard his middle name is Dadu, and um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the truth. I mean, not for nothing. I mean, we we said Carolina was not smart for getting Bridgewater. I think that was a really obvious call we made. I mean, some people thought it was glorious for Carolina. Those people are were wrong, obviously. Emory Hunt. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke were about the same level last year. The only difference is Drew Locke is young and can progress, and Teddy Bridgewater, we've seen years of him, and we know what he is. So, yeah. just that, that's it. Well... I'm not going to forget this time. I would have made it a four for four forgetting sweep had I forgotten, but um, I'm not going to forget this time. Boom. Uh, one injury away. Who is it? Yeah. Besides- give me, I mean, it has to be oh, Javante yeah. Williams, man. Yeah. If Melgo goes yeah, down, sure. Williams steps into a ginormous role. So what What about like someone that's not as obvious? Like, do you think a guy like KJ Hamler can can really benefit from like Cortland Sutton going down again? Actually, we didn't really discuss KJ Hamler. KJ Hamler, yeah, KJ Hamler has some explosive ability, as we saw in the preseason game, and he's someone uh, you and Jason dra- uh, picked up last year in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Dynasty League to stash. So I mean, he's someone we've had on our radar a little bit, but there's just not going to be like enough of a target volume for him to become super relevant. But I do think he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. But for me, it would be Tim Patrick because I mean, last year, Tim Patrick stepped in for Sutton and was a wide receiver three or better in half his games. You could lock in eight to 12 points every week from Tim Patrick. So I'm going to go with Tim Patrick. Interesting. Michael just said Tim Patrick a lot. This team is his. This team is fucking stacked. Tim Patrick's a fun name to say. I am Team Patrick. Two first uh, names, Magoo. <laughs> all right. Um, are we done now? Did I fish? We did it right? Uh, I don't know. Tim Patrick. We did it. Uh, Two first names, Magoo and Teddy Dedu on the same Jason. team. Jason. Jason, where could they find you? At Brodoff of Jason. Cass. <laughs> At Brodoff of Casanova. Oh, Michael also did not get the sweep. Michael, well done. You, you took out the rubber game there. Michael, where can they find you? At Broto FF Tim. And you can find me. <laughs> 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 that one took me. It took me like a second to register that one. Clearly. Uh, you can find me at Broto FF uh, at Mike. Mike. <laughs> not Michael. You're not, you're not even giving him the right handle. What's wrong with you? BrotoFantasy.com, the Broto Fantasy app, um, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. That's all we got for you on this one. Uh, this one was a fun division. This is this is going to be a, a fun division for fantasy. Lots of fantasy implications in this division. Yep. Coming at you next, the AFC West. The Broncos are the Broncos one of the real quick before we start. I know this is so off script, but is are the Broncos kind of like the most X factory team that you can think of? Like if Drew Locke turns a corner and throws thirty five touchdowns, this team is going to fucking be crazy. This team I is think going it- to be. Full of fantasy stars. I think it might be the Jets, yeah. and that's not bias talking. Everyone's wow. ADP on Stop. the Jets is like round eight or lower. What if Zach Wilson is a Justin Herbert-esque rookie season? Corey sure. Davis and company could be very, Corey very Davis, Elijah Moore, interesting. Some running backs. I think there's more X factors on this team, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Noah fan is like but a you game have to pay tight more. end. Who are you gonna throw to? Chris Hendon, Hernan, Tyler Croft, baby. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, saying the the cost is essential in what I'm saying. I do. Yeah, what do you guys, what do you, what do you guys think? Sense. Is this team like the the X Factor team? If if he if 
if he turns a corner, is this the X Factor team? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Michael can't stop saying Tim Patrick. You can't stop saying turn the corner. And the X Factor. The X Factor team. <laughs> what about the Y Factor? The, the, the Z Factor? That's that's about all of Tim's math. X and Y axis. Tim, which axis is the X? The one that goes across. Do you know how I remember that? It's because it's the horizontal. Y goes like that. <laughs> it goes vertical. All right, so I said the one that goes across. I didn't say horizontal. It's horizontal, okay? That's horizontal. What's the Pythagorean theorem? I know Michael and Cass know. <laughs> Come on, it's a squared plus b squared equals c squared. I, how could I not know that? I tried to disprove the that theorem through all of seventh grade. <laughs> <You're an idiot>. <laughs> <laughs> of I tried so hard. Like, yo, you have no idea. You I tried know the... so hard. Like, me and my teacher had a bet. And, like, when I would finish work early, she'd be like, all right, like he actually he would be like, all right, work on disproving the theory. So I would fucking put mad numbers into the Pythagorean theorem. And it always worked, of oh, course. Totally, yeah, of course. <laughs> Do you know the quadratic equation? Uh, no, I definitely don't. Michael? What is this? What is this right now? Why uh, is this happening? The square root of B squared the plus square four AC all over two A, bro. Come on. Yeah. You definitely just read that though. No, I didn't. I just yeah, I no, tutored math right. for a long time. <laughs> Uh, Am I, I right, Cass? I know Cass would know. I don't. Missed, to... I mean, what you said was right, but the name wasn't. So I'm gonna just let it slide. Well, maybe we just. So it was wrong. So what are you saying? What's the what's the uh, that's that's a nice way to say you were wrong. No, I was oh, right. Were, what is Cass said the it? wrong thing? No, I mean the quadratic. We can just like stop this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, All Tim. Right. What's the derivative of x squared? All right. <laughs> it's two x. Heat wave. Uh, 